Welcome to another episode of Nuevo Healthcare Network, a place for discussing healthcare issues and solutions in New Mexico. For this episode, I spoke with Dr. Jennifer Achilles, a pediatrician, and Misha Harris, a pediatric nurse practitioner, both of whom practice here in New Mexico. Misha Harris graduated from the University of Southern Alabama in 2015, and Dr. Achilles graduated from the University of Utah in 2004. She then completed her residency in pediatric medicine at the University of New Mexico. Together, they founded a telehealth company for pediatric care called Telepeds, which we discuss more in the show. We recorded this episode remotely, so please excuse the audio glitches and minor disturbances. Enjoy. Could each of you briefly describe how you got interested in medicine? Misha, do you want to start or do you want me to? Go for it. This is a, a little bit of a tough question to answer. Um, in my high school, we had a tragic um, loss on Mount Hood. We lost seven students and two teachers when I was 16. Um, and watching on the news, watching the students be transported. So they were lost in a snowstorm on Mount Hood and they were transported to the hospital and uh, seeing the hospitals trying to revive them um, is what made me want to be a doctor. So that's a little bit of a rough start to your question. But so I knew at the age of 16 that I wanted to be a doctor, but it took me another 16 years before I started med school. Thanks. And Misha? I always said I wanted to be a baby doctor from the time I was in third grade and just went the roundabout way of getting to be an NP. So <laughs> took the hard route, but always knew I wanted to do something in medicine and, and particularly with kids or babies. Great. And, and you two both started a company called Telepeds that provides a telehealth for pediatric care here in New Mexico. Could you describe how that came to be and, and what that entails? Yeah, so I've, um, I've always been bothered by the fact that New Mexico usually ranks last in child well-being um, based on the Anti-CKC Foundation Kids Count data. They've been last as long as I've been checking, so probably at least four or five years, except for last year we moved up to 49th, and this year the new ranking just came out and we're back to 50th. So that positioned with being a pediatrician has always, it just doesn't sit well with me. I feel responsible to do something about this poor ranking for our state. So Misha and I have thought and thought and thought of ways that we could improve child health in New Mexico. And we've come up with all kinds of um, not great ideas until we landed on telepeds. And we thought using the power of medicine, we can reach more kids in the state to see specialized pediatric care because there just aren't enough, there are not enough pediatricians in the state, there's not enough primary care doctors, and there probably never will be. And even if they were, they won't be evenly distributed across the state. So we kind of put two and two together and thought, well, the only way that pediatricians can reach all the kids that need to see specialized pediatric care is through telemedicine. Great, and Misha, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think not only just the data, but, but working in New Mexico, you realize that kids really just don't have access to care. And then they're seeking it elsewhere in urgent cares and emergency rooms, and they're spending more money. It's a, more of a burden for families. And so we really just saw it firsthand how hard it can be for kids and families to get the appropriate care. 
And so it really was our drive just to create something new in the state that would help address any of those issues, those burdens for families. That's a great point, Misha. I was talking to a pediatric ER doctor at UNM, and he told me that up to, I think he said about 50% of the transfers that come into UNM from around the state are not necessary. So that's a $50,000 flight that is coming in from rural hospitals that don't necessarily need to be transferred. And that is also an inspiration for us because we feel that we can decrease urgent care visits, emergency room visits, and therefore transfers and actually save the state a whole lot of money and families a whole lot of time and stress. And Jenny, earlier you mentioned the uh, issue of not having enough pediatricians in the state. Can you go into a little more detail just how bad that is right now? Um, There are 14 counties in the state that don't have a single pediatrician. And there's another three counties that have one pediatrician each. This is data from the American Board of Pediatrics. And that totals 60,000 kids. Wow. And have you found through telepeds that you're serving some of these communities that don't have a pediatrician in the entire county? Unfortunately, not yet. And that's, um, we really need to do an education push because I think most people don't even think about telemedicine. I mean, they, it's, it's more popular now among adults because of COVID, but I think families still don't even think of it as an option for their kids. So we need to do a big educational push about uh, pediatric telemedicine in the state so that people even think of it as an option. And then the other issue is broadband. So unfortunately, people that have the least access to medical care will also to have access to broadband internet. So that's another issue that we are dealing with. You also mentioned earlier that primary care in general is um, lacking in New Mexico, but we certainly have more family doctors than we do pediatricians. Can you explain a little bit about why it's important we have pediatricians as well as those family doctors? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we Anywhere else in the world, pediatrics is considered a subspecialty, except for in our country. And we really are. So family practice doctors are amazing what they do and they see from birth to end of life, but they are not specialized in pediatric care. So I think family practice doctors tend to have about maybe three or four months in their residency training in pediatrics, as opposed to a pediatrician who's had three years solid of only pediatrics. And honestly, you know, with medical knowledge in our country right now, based, you know, from research is doubling every couple of years. And it is honestly difficult for a pediatrician to stay up to date on pediatric specific um, new guidelines and research that comes out. So it's next to impossible for an emergency room doctor and a family practice doctor to stay up to date on pediatric specific issues, let alone all of the other knowledge that they have to keep up to date on. So there really is no alternative to a pediatric provider. And Misha, let's go to you for this one. What are some of the unique challenges that children and their parents face in New Mexico compared to other states? 
So we have, we have quite a few issues. Location is a huge issue. Families have to often travel hours just to see a pediatrician. Um, and then if they don't have a pediatrician close to them or office hours are closed, then they'll go to the emergency room or to the urgent care and then incur higher expenses, right? So the copay for an emergency room visit is hundreds of dollars versus the copay for an office visit is only 25. So a huge burden gets put on the families for that. And then if the kids are transferred, necessarily or unnecessarily, they um, often are transferred, you know, hundreds of miles to Albuquerque to the hospital here. And then the parents either are transported with them on the ambulance, um, but then end up without a vehicle here, or they um, follow behind in their own car, but then have to incur the expense of all of the gas and and then where to stay and all of those things. So it ends up being really expensive for families. Um, and often these, you know, working families don't have a lot of extra spending cash. And so it ends up eating into some of their savings or creating a huge, a bigger burden for them. And then time is another issue. So families, parents are working, kids are in school. And then if kids are sent home from school, parents miss work or they have to take off of work to go to a doctor's visit. Telemedicine helps alleviate a lot of that burden because we can see families in their homes. So they have the ability to access a pediatrician without ever having to take off of work or school or drive hours to see specialists. So I think those are the biggest burdens for families are probably time and money. Gotcha. And it seems like uh, a common theme here is preventative medicine when it comes to pediatric care. What are some common preventable illnesses that children might encounter who don't have this access to pediatric care at a young age? Um, a lot of them end up being things like like asthma. So asthma is triggered by very many different things, allergies, viruses, um, smoke, things like that. If you have good asthma education and can um, get the appropriate care at the beginning of an asthma exacerbation, you can help prevent a hospital admission. If you can keep their asthma better under control, then you can also help prevent a hospital admission, even an ICU stay. And then other things that we can manage are more urgent care type visits. So like an ear infection or a viral illness or um, vomiting and diarrhea. If you can address some of those issues right away without having to be seen in the emergency room, you can hopefully prevent them from getting sicker. Okay. How has uh, COVID impacted both of your practices? COVID is interesting because of uh, quarantine, kids generally weren't getting very sick during quarantine because they weren't spreading germs the same way they usually did. So in, in our other professional jobs working in the hospital, it really decreased our census. But from a telepede standpoint, we've actually seen quite a few patients where they test positive for COVID and it's just reassurance and guidance for the parents, ordering testing and things like that. And then especially like if like a mom and a new baby have been exposed to COVID, what to do for them and what their resources are. So that's where I think we help the most is just by um, providing reassurance and guidance for families, especially during COVID when it was scary and new and, and people weren't sure what was happening. 
And a little earlier, I think Jenny mentioned that uh, New Mexico was last or, or near last in child well-being. What are some of the, some of the common factors that might contribute to child well-being here in New Mexico? Okay. Um, do you mean specifically on what the data points are from Annie C. Casey Foundation or in general? I'm more interested in what you've seen in practice. So lack of access to education, lack of access to primary care, like the cyclical poverty that goes from generation to generation to generation and no way to break out of it. And have you seen any progress being made since you've been practicing on that front? No. And that's, and that's such a massive problem. It's really, it's like, there's so many factors that go into it. And so we're hoping to address kind of one small piece of that, which is access to affordable quality care to at least alleviate that one aspect for families. One other thing I was thinking about um, back when people use emergency rooms for non-emergent issues, it's also a massive expense for the state and we are not <clears throat> a wealthy state, even though, I mean, I know we have oil and gas revenue, but in general, we're a very poor state. Oh, the other thing that's interesting is I think 57% of kids are on Medicaid in the state. So we're close to a universal healthcare for kids um, in the state. So anytime a child uses the ER urgent care for non-emergent reasons, that's an expense to the state. Every time a child is transported when they don't need to be, that's an expense for the state. When a child goes to the emergency room and is not seen by a specialist such as a pediatrician, so let's say a child comes to the ER for respiratory issues, which is probably one of the most common reasons for the visit, a pediatrician knows, okay, this is viral, nothing's gonna, <laughs> nothing's gonna help except for time, and there's no reason to do a bunch of tests. Um, and x-rays. An emergency room doctor, and I know this very well because I've worked in rural settings, and I am in no way throwing emergency room doctors under the bus. I think they're amazing. But my point is they will order x-rays, which then get overread as pneumonia, and then they'll give the kid inappropriate antibiotics that they don't need, and blood work, and all kinds of testing and treatments that are not necessary and absolutely do not help in a viral illness. And that's just driving up the costs for everybody. And it's inappropriate care. Like I, I, don't, I can't think of any other population that we would be okay with, you know, an adult male coming into the ER and getting a whole bunch of tests that they don't need. It's, it's unlikely to happen as often as it does in pediatrics because people would say, this is inappropriate, we can't do this. And yet it happens all the time in pediatrics. And that's another driving force for us because we really want kids to just get appropriate care, not over, over care, not under care, just appropriate pediatric care. Right. So it sounds like the Telepeds venture is trying to help families in these rural counties and, and areas where they don't have pediatricians gain access. Have you thought of any other ways to help get pediatric care to these people? Or are there any other government programs that you know of that are attempting to do the same thing? Well, I've got a good friend from residency who's always dreamed of having a mobile pediatric van. And I really think it would be cool if one day we merged forces and she's got her van and we've got our telemedicine and we can send her out and she can vaccinate a whole bunch of kids because obviously that's uh, one thing we cannot do are well child checks, which are important and vaccines. 
like we can, we, we're linked up with NIMSIS, which is the state vaccine program. And so we know what vaccines kids need when we see them, but we can actually give them. And so I think some kind of a hybrid model with a van or community health workers plus telemedicine um, would, would really be the future of pediatric care in the most rural areas. And at, at least at some schools, there are school nurses, right? And, and is there some effort to connect them to pediatricians or at least uh, primary care doctors so that they can talk to each other and stay informed about what's going on with the kids who are at least enrolled in school? A lot of schools do not have a school based health center. Many of them don't even have a school nurse. Um, and so we're really trying to focus our efforts on finding schools that don't have access to any kind of healthcare because in, in a situation where there's no nurse or, or provider to see a child, they just have to call the parents and pick up the kid and go to the ER. So that's a perfect example of what we'd like to help avoid because then the parents missing work, they're missing wages, the kid's missing school. So our one of our models will be to set up a telemedicine in school. And then um, really any school employee can set up an iPad and the can immediately to be taken from school. And other states that are doing this, you know, up to 80 to 90% of kids can return to class. And parents can also join in on the video visit if they'd like to. So it's a really cool model. It helps with absenteeism, keeps kids in school, keeps parents at work, saves money, saves um, non-emergent emergency room visits. And so we're making a big push to, to get into schools in New Mexico. Okay, and what, what resources don't you have that uh, might help get these families access? Is it just a matter of uh, more funding and more providers or are there other things that you would need to really make this happen on a larger scale? One thing I think we would love to see is um, if we could get funding to just help launch us a little bit more, but also to help pay for community health workers. Um, Jenny touched on that briefly, but there are people who are trained to do like the other side of the telemedicine visit. So we could send them out into the community with a cart. We could train them to um, help do the assessments on some of the patients. Um, maybe provide vaccines or things like that, that we could then send them out into the communities and have better access. So not just a pediatrician, but just a community health worker to help bring our services to communities. We could even send them with a hotspot for those places that don't have broadband. Um, a lot of it is connectivity issues, which hopefully will start to be addressed now that we have the infrastructure bill going into into place um, to help increase broadband in these rural communities. Um, but there's also things like satellite internet and things like that, that, that are mobile that we could use as a resource. Um, so it would be, I think in order to go into a large scale, it would be increasing access to broadband and then having somebody that would be readily available on the ground to help us disseminate our services to those kids that live in rural places. Those sound like a lot of great ideas. If someone wanted to get more involved with a project like this or even contribute financially, how could they go about doing that? Oh, wow. <laughs> they, could, they could go to our website or just give us a call. 
we we'd love any any and all help we can get to get this off the ground. Okay, uh, could you tell us what your website's called right now? Sure, it's www.telepeds.com. Okay, and and right now, where is the majority of your funding coming from? If if you don't mind me asking. No, that's fine. Um, we are we we're self funded to get started, and that hurts. <laughs> And then we got a business loan from West, which is a New Mexico, um, Misha, do you remember what that stands for? It's a women's entrepreneur. Uh, um, I forget what it stands for, but we got a very large business loan from them um, to help us with advertising and our website and, thing, and things like that. But it is a loan. So, you know, we have to pay it back. It's not a grant. Um, and then we accept all insurance, including Medicaid. And then we also have membership options and self-pay options. So, you know, one of our mottos is that no child will be turned away. So something else that would be helpful for us is to have an FQHC status for kids that are underinsured or not insured. What's an funded. FQHC? It's a uh, federal, federally qualified health center. Okay. So it's for families that don't have insurance. And one issue I've seen with health in New Mexico is that there are a lot of good social programs out there that are designed to help people, um, especially with these issues of just general well-being. Um, but a lot of people, in, including the, the families of these kids, uh, might not know if they qualify, know how to access them, or uh, they might not even know that they exist at all. Are there any um, state or federal aid programs that you're aware of? the average person in New Mexico might not know about and could benefit from hearing from? That's a good question. Um, one thing that we've thought about doing is, is screening for social determinants of health on every patient that we see. And if we had enough money, I would love to hire a social worker and then be able to address those issues because a lot of health problems are secondary to social determinants of health. Poverty, not having access to the medications you need, not having access to healthy food, things like that. Um, so sometimes medicine in general is just a band-aid for bigger social issues. Um, but if we had a social worker on staff who knew of all of these programs, that would be, that is a long-term goal for us, for sure. Jenny, why don't we go with you first? Um, what's your favorite part about practicing uh, in pediatrics? And would you do it all over again if you had the chance? Yes. Uh, I love pediatrics and I love telemedicine. You know, it's, it's not something I ever would have seen myself doing five years ago, but when you, when a, when a family finds us and it's late at night and they get to talk to a doctor and I get to see the kid, I mean, it's super fun for me to interact with the kid through video and it's the families are so appreciative because they cannot believe that they can see a doctor for something like croup, which is easy to diagnose over video. They don't have to go to the ER. They don't have to get exposed to COVID or anything else. And we can prescribe the medications they need or testing or x-rays or any of those things that are needed. But let's use the example of croup we can prescribe. It's just really fun. And it, it feels so, um, it's so fulfilling to know that you're filling a need most of us didn't know even existed a couple of years ago. Great. And yeah, I guess COVID might have had a, a positive impact there in, in changing how we viewed telehealth. Absolutely. I mean, it shot telehealth in 
you know, 30 years into the future, which is interesting because telehealth has been around for probably 30 years and it just never gained traction until almost overnight it, it grew massively. So our timing is uh, very good, <laughs> to say the least. And Misha, what about you? Uh, yes, I would do it over again. And I agree with Jenny. I love the, the pediatric population, the kids, the families, and have really found that telemedicine is the best of all worlds. You get to do medicine, but also it's the, the appreciation from the families and the, the ease and access of it. Um, it makes a telemedicine visit so fun and very rewarding because it, it's just easy and convenient for families and you get to help kids right away. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great having you.